and the moon and the planets are there and new hopes for knowledge and peace are there and therefore as we set sail on the most hazardous and dangerous and greatest adventure on which man has ever embarked we are in space we are in space hosted by matthew altruda today's episode is just the way you are oh belongingness the human emotional need to affiliate with and be accepted by members of a group belongingness is a major need that motivates human behavior and it starts with an evolutionary trait to survive i bet i can learn a lot about you by the groups you associate yourself with and chances are you are in those groups because of the influence of a friend who had views of the world you admired being a part of a group gives us confidence and most importantly makes us feel happy and validates our beliefs and feelings the muse of this episode simply came from me not wanting to belong to things that were meaningless in my life over the past five years, when I go out to the store and a clerk asks me to join a rewards program or sign up for an exclusive offers, I usually reply with, no thank you, I don't like to belong to things. Which usually startles the clerk, but every once in a while I have a clerk be like, yeah, me either. And I'm usually like, nice, we should form a group for people that don't want to belong to a group. It'll be easy, no meetings. Only thing you have to do to join is just say, I'm not interested. Today's episode will have you asking, can I really think for myself? And if you answer, yes, I can, does that actually mean you can't? Abraham Maslow created the theory of human motivation in 1943. He identified five levels of motivation or five needs that humans strive to satisfy. Those needs are in order, survival, safety, social, esteem, and fulfillment. And I'm personally not too sure if any of those are possible without a, without a group. The million dollar question is, think about all the things you want in your life right now, then think about why you want them. We find ourselves believing groups other than our own are crazy for thinking the way they do. Pretty much everyone else is wrong except for us. By definition, we are a pack animal because we hunt in groups, much like wolves, dolphins, horses, donkeys, chimps, mongooses, and yes, always the fan favorite, the spotted hyena and their cubs are adorable, but I've done some research and having a pet hyena is a terrible idea. Being a part of a group helps an individual struggle to find meaning in life without meaning. No, we're not going to discuss the meaning of life because I already covered it in episode nine, hit it in the sand, but by meaning, I mean it's a time for a friendly reminder that we are made of space dust living on a planet in the middle of the universe and our survival is dependent on a ray of light from a star that is 92 million miles away. Our ancestors have been on earth for 6 million years and modern day humans for about 200,000 years. And I'm thinking they must have had more answers to the meaning of life than we do today because we've become so delusional and distracted. Being a part of a group has made, has been essential for humans to survive our ancestral history. We needed our groups to fend off enemies, to fend off animal attacks, to build shelter, to gather food, and most importantly for reproduction. We would not be able to be the people we are today without our groups. You know the old African proverb, it takes a village to raise a child, which means it takes an entire community of people 
to interact with the child and for those children to experience and grow in a safe and healthy environment. This is why it's so important for humans to invest in their communities for the future. There is no doubt we need personal connections to feel accepted and supported. And not having fulfillment in these connections could cause feelings of rejection and, of course, depression. We find acceptance in many ways in 2020, and much more than we did in the year 1612. However, much like 1612, we still can find it in family, church, and the old timeless game of tag. But today we also find it with sports and music and school and camps and clubs and lessons and, of course, social media. Do you feel more supported when someone follows you back? Of course you do. Is it part of our evolution of wanting connections? Why do you think Facebook groups are so popular? Because we can part of, be a part of a group with very little effort. That provides a lot of self-worth. A social group is a collection of people that have something in common that they believe that what is common is significant. By belonging to a group, we feel as if we are part of something bigger and more important than ourselves. Finding groups with people with similar interests also validates your views on your views. You find reassurance in your beliefs, whether you're right or wrong. We also feel out of place away from our groups. If you went out to dinner with five rocket scientists, chances are you'll be nervous because you won't have anything to add to the conversation. Uh, I like rocket boosters. Teens desperately want to be a part of something, and that something is a group. They want to feel heard, understood, and validated by their peers, family, and elders. It's not rocket scientists that teens who share similar tastes in clothing, music, and other interests might seek each other out in friendships. As a parent, we want to enrich our children. We try to do this by exposing them to the theater and arts and higher learning, camps, clubs, lessons, and sports, and chances are they will meet friends and form groups. However, most Americans, it's easier said than done with expenses, especially in 2020. Not giving the opportunity to be introduced in, into groups that enrich us doesn't mean that we are a species are not searching for belongingness. Remember, it's millions of years of evolution. This is where you're going to find groups recruiting young people who believe they don't belong anywhere. This is where you find white supremacist groups and gangs preying on young people by creating something for them to belong to. In most instances, we find groups because of shared goals, social economic status, religious beliefs, sports fandom, political beliefs, and pop culture interests. These would be secondary groups because they have more because they are more impersonal but share similar goal interests and activities. This would differ from a primary group, which would be like your family and close friends. A primary group is a very tight-knit emotional ties where you would get emotional and financial support. With that said, secondary groups could become primary groups with time, thanks to technology. And we've already seen that happen more and more today. If you were going to move to a new city, where would you go first to meet your friends? Or where would you go to meet people like yourself and where you would feel like you belong and the other people there would feel like you belong also? You would go to places where there would be like-minded people. One of my college friends moved out to Utah to a very Mormon area. And I asked him, I was like, how do you find friends? And the key was he would go grocery shopping on Sunday because all the Mormons would be at church and he would find like-minded people. For me personally, if I moved to New York City and I was trying to find new friends, I would go to concerts. 
or maybe go disc golfing. Where would you like to meet your friends? That would really tell you a lot about yourself. Maybe where you would go to meet your friends if you moved to a new city might define you as a person in one way, shape, or form. Groups is where we as humans find strength, encouraged to continue living with the hardships of life. It makes us question if survival is even worth it. As I look back at some of the worst days of my life, there was someone there who helped me cope focus on the big picture, and most importantly, not give up. However, groups are also our greatest weakness, the classic double-edged sword, if you will. This has been played out from the beginning of time with manipulating information to gain public opinion and mobilize young men into soldiers of death. This is called groupthink, the narrowing of thought in a group by which members come to believe that there's only one possible correct answer. If you think there's another answer, then you're against the group. I'm pro-choice, and that instantly eliminates me from a lot of groups, regardless if we both have a lot in common and share a lot of core beliefs. You could see me as someone who respects the rights of a woman's body, or you could see me as a straight-up baby killer. Groupthink always plays into mom mentality of our species because we all know the larger the group, the more inept they are at making rational decisions. We see this in riots. You see, like a college student in a riot, he throws a chair through a wall and gets smashed, or through a window and it gets smashed and he gets arrested. And then when he is being arrested, he leads to the old age question of what the hell was I thinking? Because they weren't thinking, because they were involved with the mob mentality. Humans have a predilection to imitate one another's behavior. We end up professing beliefs and acting out in ways we would never consider independently. Psycholo psychologists refer to this occurrence as mob mentality. The most enduring examples in the U.S. of mob mentality is the Salem Witch Trials of 1692. Salem had a population of about 500 people. They came to believe that completely innocent victims were witches possessed by the devil and they had zero physical evidence or rational evidence. It was simply a domino effect of someone claiming they saw the devil, claimed the conspiracy of witches, and accused someone. This caused widespread panic in which 140 people were arrested, which led to unfair trials, which led to 25 innocent people being murdered. 19 of them were hung at Proctor's Ledge, 5 died in jail, and 2 more were crushed for not pleading guilty or not guilty. Not to be confused with a cult, because... They have the same premises with an authoritarian leader making a group believe in fallacies like Charles Manson convincing teens to murder, David Koresh in Waco, where 75 of his followers died in the Waco siege of 1993. Cult comes, cult comes from the word cultus, which means cultivating religious worship, to tend, to take care of, to cultivate. And we'll see this most prevalently in America with Reverend Jim Jones He's probably the most famous cult leader and faith healer. His cult was based in San Francisco in 1977, and they got a lot of trouble in San Francisco for their mind controlling and abuse of his members. So Jim Jones packed up the group or his cult and moved them to Guyana in South America in 1977 and formed a utopia there called Jonestown. Granted, the Jonestown abuse, the allegations of the human rights made it back to the United States 
and U.S. Representative Leo Ryan went out to Jonestown to investigate. And as the story goes, he didn't like what he was investigating and saw all the abuse. And when he was leaving, some of the members of the cult decided that they didn't want to be there anymore and decided to follow Leo back to the United States. But while they were leaving, they were all gunned down and murdered. After the murder, Reverend Jim Jones poisoned all 918 members of his cult. 304 of them were children, and he poisoned them all with cyanide-laced flavorate. And this was brought into slang for the simple-minded cult thinking, a.k.a. they drank the Kool-Aid or don't drink the Kool-Aid. There are thousands of cults, and not all of them are religious, but all of them have one thing in common. They all have a commitment to an extreme ideology with a charismatic leader. The leader demands obedience, and this is truly omnipresent in your life. They know your finances, and they help you with all your personal choices. They cut off the outside world because they need to have complete control. Basically, they stunt your psychological and emotional growth. And this is magnified times a hundred times when they start early on a child. I'm not going to bring Scientology into this because I don't need them destroying my life. So we're just going to leave them completely out of this. However, the cult mentality is different from mob mentality. And chances are you're most affected by herd mentality. Herd mentality describes how humans adopt behaviors from large groups we belong to. Follow trends, buy merchandise. Just think about all the people on Black Friday morning. Or maybe you or your child had to get good at Fortnite to improve their social status at school. Or maybe you're thinking about rocking Dior or Supreme or Fendi to feel social status of wealth. Regardless, I'm rocking my Chuck Taylors like I did in sixth grade and I don't wear ice on my wrist. Herd mentality can impact pop culture, political ideals, and even stock market behavior. Herd mentality during the election times is rather strong, as we all know, and just witness firsthand. This is where you see your perceived group pressures. Publicly, publicly expressing whatever sentiment is in agreement with the norm. It's easy to do. Most of us aren't even aware we are even doing it. In many cases, it trumps truth, and lifelong research from professionals becomes fake news. From everything I just covered, I could probably make the case that Trump's the head of his own cult. It's been proposed that the only way to have true world peace for all humanity is to have an alien invasion to unite us. Because humans are so different, the only way we would actually unite is to have an existential threat against humanity. If you haven't read Sirens of Titan by Kurt Vonnegut, his second book, it's a dark satirical story about a Martian invasion of Earth that unites humans. If you love sci-fi comedies that highlight the horrors and ironies of 20th century civilization, I would highly suggest giving it a read. And that book had such a great effect on me in college that it was also a muse for this today. But also, it makes me question if it's actually true. Because if we look at climate change and how we're destroying the earth, I mean, I think that existential threat is already there. 60% of all mammals on earth are our food. The other 34% are humans, leaving like 5 or 6% of all mammals on earth living in the wild. It literally makes perfect sense that we are destroying our earth and not doing anything about it. 
Sports fandom is also a perfect example of how teams plan to our evolution to belong. For some crazy reason, we as humans need an antagonist. Ohio hates Michigan. And as you know, Michigan hates Ohio. Boston hates New York. And Dallas Cowboy fans hate themselves. I love the New York Yankees, the New York Giants, and the New York Knicks because of my father. And as a direct result, so does my son. Some of my greatest memories as a child was listening to the voice of Phil Rizzuto calling Yankees games with my dad. After the Yankees won the World Series in 1996, I called my grandfather, like crying. And he was crying because we were both such diehard Yankees fans and shared this timeless memory together. Still to this day, I would estimate like 75% of my communication with my father revolves around the sports teams we love. My circle of best friends all love sports. They love music and pretty much all the same bands. We have our own little group called 226, which was the house we lived in in college. People often present themselves in a particular way in order to belong to a specific group. For example, a new member of a high school football team might adopt and dress them in the mannerisms of other members of the team in order to fit in with the rest of the group. If you meet someone you would like to date, and all their friends are arrogant jerks, most likely they are too. It's the old wives' tale. Judge people by their friends. Groups affect our lack of judgment. Everyone is doing it, so it can't really be that bad for you. Oh, belongingness. Even when people must part, such as graduating from college, they are often quite upset about having to part and consequently making promises to keep the relationship going through visits, mail, telephone, and so on. Sometimes people who aren't going to see each other again will say, see you soon, as parting ways, because the idea of not seeing someone again is too unsettling to say aloud. Groups we belong to are shaping our views of the world. Whether we want to admit it or not, these groups are pulling on our evolutionary traits to be a part of something. The true adventure in life is travel but not to see the beautiful landscape, but also to observe other humans and learn from them to better ourselves. You always hear about people traveling to developing nations without running water or plumbing or electric electricity. And to their surprise, they realize that the people native to there are actually happier than them. Why is that? They don't have a computer. They don't have Netflix. They don't have a new PS5 or the millions of things you think you need. Groups evolve our way of thinking, and our value systems, whether we realize it or not. We are stardust that's been evolving for billions of years. Let's zoom out of your life. Let's, let's make, make yourself real small, like you're looking down from the clouds at yourself. Allow yourself to take your hands off life's accelerator and ask yourself, what do I really need to feel secure, loved, and happy? Why am I judging my self-worth and acceptance to groups that really don't matter? What am I doing right now that I'll be proud of 10 years from now? And if you can't honestly think of anything that you'll be proud of 10 years from now, then you probably need to reprioritize your life. Stick to your beliefs and what you hold true in your heart. Don't let your soul be desensitized by what's right and wrong. We all know life isn't a rehearsal. And everything counts. But we hardly live each day to its potential because we're forever positioning ourselves in the groups to feel accepted, validated, and feel we have self-worth. I'm here to tell you right now, 
Your self-worth is already priceless. You are a miracle. Millions and millions of things had to go right for you to be hearing my voice right now. People always think about winning the lottery, but hardly ever realize everyone who's been born had just already won. You may think I'm right. You may think I'm crazy. But regardless, it's part of your journey in life to understand why you're thinking the way you are. Don't let someone else's barriers in life hold you back. While we are in space. Stars, stars. We are in space. We are in space.